2: Hello, uh, I'm here with uh, Larry Phelps, and we're going to do part two of uh, the series Romans. We're uh, going to start reading in chapter two, and um, yeah, uh, Larry, I I feel a little off today, so (laughs) I understand. I think from all the things I've been going through, and with my health issues, I'm just a little off, but uh, I think this would be some remedy for it.
1: I think, you Uh, know, uh, the good Lord's going to help us, and uh, I know you, you know, when you go through some spiritual battles, it kind of also zaps the energy, too, so it's a a double whammy, but, um, yeah, we'll just go through this like you, you know, we'll just go through it verse by verse, and and why don't I read the first one and then you read the second? And we'll just kind of go back and forth as things kind of develop. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgeth. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Yeah. Mm. Man, I'll tell you, I've had I've had that used against me a lot.
3: <laughs>
1: I mean, you wouldn't believe how many times my my relatives abused that against me for coming out against the Armenian doctrine, you know. And uh, my response usually is, uh, you know, why are you judging me? <laughs> Because when they you know when they're judging me for judging them, they're judging me, and uh but no it this has to do with uh I think people that are involved in we know the last chapter had to do with this is kind of continuum, you know there aren't any actual demarcations in chapters, a lot of people aren't aware they're put there, that's put there for reading purposes but the last chapter had to do with homosexuality and changing the nature of God and corruptibility and trying to worship the creature more than the creator. And so, uh, if if a person's participating in those kind of activities, they certainly don't have any right to be condemning those kind of activities. Um, but if I'm just using this as an example, if you're condemning blasphemy, you know someone's blaspheming the name of Christ and making misrepresentations about what you might say. Uh, that is, this is, doesn't apply to that because that's righteous judgment. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I'll shut up and. Well,
3: well kind of first of all,
2: that. first of all, I appreciate you saying that. It's reassuring to know that somebody else feels, or somebody with some, with more, a seasoned walk with the Lord, as a, uh, can recognize it. That uh, there are times when a man has to do that. He has to defend the faith.
3: It is, yes,
2: you know, and. Uh, and it's in Europe, you know, the world is going to see everything opposite from reality, I man. You know, one of the things I was thinking about, I don't know why I'm deviating here again, but I think it's First uh, John, right, 2, 22, if I can get it right here. Sorry for the delay here. All right and uh yeah, let's just go over this a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm a little trained, probably well,
0: it says here um, let's go further than that but ye have
2: an unction from the Holy One and ye know all things. I and. I have not written unto you, because ye know not the truth, but because ye know know it, and that no lie is the truth. Who is a liar, but he that denieth Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist, that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Let that therefore be abide. Let, there, let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And, the pro- and this is the promise that He hath promised you even eternal life. These are things I have written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. Ye, Ye need not that which any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things and it's truth, and is no lie, even as it has taught you, ye shall abide in him. And I can go on and on with that. But, um, yeah, I think, I think this is, one of the things I have profound realization, and that is, I know, even if I look at what happened last night in the show with... Uh, Jared, um, was what made me think about who he is and who I was, who well, I still am at times, but really who I was and that before I lived my life denying who Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior is, and want nothing to do with him. And I don't know, what's your take on this, Larry? Because how I see it is if a man... If a man denies who Jesus is, then I think he he cannot help but the the default nature of being a liar and a deceiver. It's really our nature, isn't it? Our our basic, you know, because of our fallen state that without the atoning graces of Jesus, of his, his spirit dwelling in us, him working with us, that we would just be we would still be that old con artist, that old, um, sorry for the language folks, but BSer. Um We were just, just full of dung, if you will, coming out of our mouths, and, our, and our, our behavior would be one of um, a manipulation, and seeing what we could get out of this world and becoming very self-centered and um, I
1: don't know. How do you see that? I mean, I, I just see John well, yeah, I just, was. Yeah. Correct. Well, John, John, you know, he it, there in in John, he also, Epistles of John, he talks about those that who deny Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God, or the Spirit of Antichrist. And as far as as those who are His in Second Timothy four two you know we're told to preach the word be instant in season out of season reprove rebuke exhort it's all long suffering and doctrine you know i've talked to people all the time I had a guy used to call me up from nash or memphis tennessee and he'd want to talk about everything but the bible you know, he'd, <laughs> talk, he'd want to talk about the weather he worked for FedEx. He wanted to talk about FedEx. He wanted to talk about the Southern Baptist movement, which he was a member of. He wanted to talk about, you know, homosexuality, about how the errors of homosexuality. He wanted to talk about, but when I wanted to get into any kind of, do- he goes, "Don't bore me with all that doctrine stuff." He said, <laughs> "I." He said, "I used to, I used to be classmates in college with a guy." And he was just like you. He always wanted to talk about doctrine, and he said to the point where how many hairs could be put on the end of a pinhead or something like that. But I was only talking about things like, for an example, the efficacy of the atonement, or I'd bring up something about uh, how that uh, all of God's people are Absolutely secure in Christ. It's a done deal or something like that. Don't, let's not go on this doctrine stuff, okay? You know, you know. But here we're told to reprove, rebuke. That's kind of what was going on last night on your program because I was listening. Rebuke, exhort. There was a lot of exhortation you were doing there. And you were certainly going into doctrine, you know? Jesus is who he said he was, and nobody's going to change it. And so when somebody makes allegations against one of God's people that's saying that that you're saying something contrary to that, you you know, the Bible says, Be ready to give an answer to everyone of the faith that lies within you. You know, and so in Titus one nine it says, Holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayers. <laughs>
3: well, we,
1: we know who the gainsayers are, you know. We know who the gainsayers are. And uh, Timothy, you know, he said he was very clear, you know, about this, and so was Paul. And uh, we go back to... I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. You know, everybody says it Luke Luke wrote Hebrews, but I you know, and I'm not gonna get into that, but Hebrews three thirteen it says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of of sin. So exhortation, you know, is holding holding people accountable. Holding people accountable when they put out false doctrine, you know, um, yeah. second, second John one nine, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ he hath both the Father and the Son. So if somebody starts coming into your world or my world uh, and starts you know, putting out things that are in contradistinction to the doctrine of Christ. Um, you know, we're supposed to we're supposed to expose them. We're supposed to exhort with them. We're supposed to. And, and so, anyway, that's my response to you. I don't, I don't have any problem with it at all. I mean, if somebody came on, if I'd invited somebody on one of my programs, and they started. You know, start spewing out uh, their doctrine of reincarnation. You know, I would try to be as loving and kind as I could, but I would say, wait a second. You know, uh, the Bible does not teach reincarnation. Hmm. The Bible teaches that is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment for God's uh, reprobates. Or the you know, now God's already. Uh, he's already done the work for all of his people. Um, But we all have uh, a appointed time for death. And uh, I had a guy tell me one time, true story. And I thought, that's got to be the most acidine thing I've ever heard in my life. But he was really into reincarnation. And he said, you know what I want to be when I come back? And I said, What's that? He goes, I want to be a potato. And I said, Why do you want to be a potato? <laughs> he, because he says they have a lot of eyes and they can see women.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he said, The potato can, you know, go in. He shows he was full of lust, you know. Mm-hmm. But.
2: Um, I, I would like to go back now and, you know, go back to the last reading and go back to Romans 1 so that. Yeah. I, Yeah, that's good. and (coughs) who is being talked about here? It says, let's start from just verse 28 of chapter 1 of Romans. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy and murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things and disobedience, to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, and humble, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Therefore thou art inexcusable, man, whosoever thou art that judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest, does the same things, but we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things.
1: So,
3: what do you say? He's he's
1: actually speaking to the reprobate. Yeah. He's not speaking to the elect there. Yeah, He's He's speaking to one that's already gone that way, and that's why it's really important to have, you know, the back up like you did and give some concurrence there, you know. And, oh yeah. Uh,
2: so when the world uses those these kind of scriptures against us, we can say, "Listen, no, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. he's talking about you, my friend." <laughs> yeah. And I I,
0: guess you know, I against
2: the attitude, you know, there really is just this unfortunate reality. There is us and them.
1: And, there is us in them. I mean, why why would we be told and that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. Who might you know? And so we we don't live under condemnation, and we you know, but the fact is, and that it's not saying that it's not a better than now attitude or anything like that. It's a it's a a legal work that's been done. We've been translated in the kingdom of God's dear son. And that doesn't mean we're perfectly sinlessly uh, perfect or anything like that. But what it does mean is that, um, you know, our sins are not going to be imputed into us. And uh, sometimes, you know, we'll have to do a study on imputation. But you go back in Psalms and you see what David says about about that subject, our sins are not going to be imputed to us. You know, if Christ died for our sin, it's not double jeopardy. You know, right. God's not God's not going to pay for our sin and then we're going to pay for our sin too. No, there's not a thing we're going to, there's not a thing we can do for our sins. Okay, <laughs> God's already <laughs> God's already taking care of it. So,
2: yeah, okay, I guess verse three goes and thinkest thou this, old man? that judgest them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God. Or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. In particular, what is verse 4 really talking about here? It says, or despises thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering.
3: No, I think
1: I think that you know, there's a lot of people out there that we can point to and see that that they absolutely hate God. They hate you know, I heard a guy the other day, I mean it was it was actually on a video, I think you probably saw the same video, it was on that flat earth video by the guy that was on Walter's show today. Uh Uh, And he was just, I mean, he was calling God a sadist. He was calling God a... uh, Every imaginable, blasphemous thing that you could think of as you would, you know, I can't even think of all. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. He was describing the person that's describing you know, this is perfectly describing this guy that was talking about blaspheming against God.
2: you talk about he's, Jeremy, he's on, was he was on my show last night and I couldn't. Yeah.
3: Sure I <laughs> uh, yeah. It, 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 you know,
2: the
1: the goodness of God, uh, there's another scripture that says the long suffering of God, you know, and. And here it says the forbearance and long suffering, the riches of, of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering. But you know what? <clears throat> the reprobate are unable to recognize it. You know, they're unable to recognize it. I mean
2: And that's we go to the next verse. Or oh, we're going to, because it kind of answers what you're saying. Goes, yeah. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasure up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. So yeah, it is because of our, well, because the judgment of God upon us, I mean, is the judgment, because of one rejects, because this is what I'm seeing, I'm seeing myself in the past, and seeing the world around me now, now that I have, uh, I accept, who my Lord Savior is, that Jesus Christ, you know, that he came in the flesh, died for our sins, he is this only begotten Son of God, and that, uh, that I need him, and so I, I, I pray, I, and, uh, Keep them in my heart on a daily basis, unlike the rest of the world. And so, when we deal with the world now, or at least I do. And especially a worldly man, it just like what used to be acceptable, and part of me is now like uh, I'd say it is. It's like a mirror of my past who I was. I'm looking at this person. And I go, and if you do not repent, if you don't repent for. You say you believe in God. How can you believe in the God that you don't know? Well, like you say I, I see this handiwork. Okay. You still don't know Him. You just know the handiwork. How are you going to know the God? The God God is is right there in front of your face. It's been given to you, but you will not take it. You will not accept it. And so, God, in His recompense, I guess, because of their error the way of thinking, uh, it's an inevitable consequence. A man can't help himself but become all these things. Uh, a backbiter, uh, a debater, a covenant breaker. Uh, uh, it goes on and on and on. You, these are, Because it, it's pretty much defining a man of the world. And one, is, I guess, as a follower of Christ, one has to come to terms with this. No, we're not... You know, listen... Are we not in God's eyes better than them? Should we be ashamed of that?
1: Well, I don't think we should be ashamed of it. I I do think that, you know, Paul says something about where is boasting then uh when he's speaking of the Jews who are not coming to save knowledge of Christ and so on. I think that you know, I I uh I look at this and, you know, I say the um, they they store up wrath against God. I think a real good answer to this is, is the question that's answered, again, back in Psalms 2. It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? And this is what was going on last night. You know, we and it's a normal thing for us to ask that question. Why are these people raging? Why are they imagining all this vain stuff that's just contrary to God and his nature and everything. Well, you know, we know that the answer is that they have uh continued uh in Adam. Uh we have we have been delivered by the second Adam, Christ, and they have not. They're continuing in uh you know, in the sin that they were born into. And they're sinning in word, thought, and deed every day, and they're storing up wrath. And uh, he, and they say, in verse three, "Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us." You know, we know what God says, but you know the the reason the reason why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing is that they are dead in their trespasses and sins <clears throat> you know that's that's why
2: that's why they're dead
1: in their trespasses and sins
3: yeah when, when, I,
2: when I say that we're better than them I'm not saying
3: no, I know what that. I'm
2: saying what I mean to say is that we're better in in god's God's eyes because he's we're. Because we're not only better; we are
1: perfectly holy and righteous. And That's when
2: so, I when I made that, statement... Larry, that sounds so arrogant. That's what the world's going to say.
1: <laughs> right, right. But it it me, I want to qualify that is, we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God looks at Jesus Christ and sees us as perfectly holy and righteous before him because of the shed blood of Christ. Nothing within us Christ became our sin bearer and uh
2: that's what it that's why He came to save us yeah, people you know i think, I think what happens too is you know and we do a little wrestle with this uh, as we mature in our faith. and and God's mercy and grace and realize that we have done nothing and nothing that we could do to... uh, It's not our works that change us or make us acceptable to God. Um, But I I I think the rest of the world, because of this, I guess, the boldness that God puts in us to defend the faith and to rebuke unrighteousness, when the opportunity is presents itself is something really is a loving thing to do. If someone is not honest if you if you're around somebody and you know that they are attacking the Word God constantly, attacking God Himself, you're attacking your faith and it's based on his own personal vain imagination and his own philosophies. What else we can I do except say, is to uh, speak out and say, "Listen, you're in da- you're trading a dangerous path that will lead to your destruction." You know what I mean? And it's not because yeah. we're better than them, but it's just, it's just like, no, nope, this is not gonna, it's not gonna be acceptable. It's not gonna well, be acceptable. Exactly, that
1: you know, that's exactly what Christ did Himself. He said, he said. You know, if if you continue in my word, then you are my disciples. And he, but he says the reason you do not believe on me is because you are not you are from beneath. I am from above. You are your father, the devil, and the works of him you will do, and you will die in your sins. But the thing that makes that such a <clears throat> profound declaration is that he told them they will die in their sins. He didn't say, unless you repent. He didn't say, unless you obey the gospel. He didn't say, you know, um, notice, well, I don't want to jump down, but I want to jump down just a minute, Nate. He says, unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, Indignation and wrath. So, uh, you know, it's not, you know, it's a twofold decree, and this is why, that, you know, we saw we kind of jumped ahead in Romans, way ahead in ninth chapter, because as he develops this theological treatise on the nature of God and His response to fallen man. We see that it's a twofold decree. The first decree is, men are without excuse before God, and they've stored up wrath and indignation and so on. But the second decree is, and this is where <clears throat> 99% of Christendom will call me a hyper Calvinist and a hard shell and all kind of antinomian and everything else, and I'm just quoting <laughs> the Bible. Okay? But yeah. in Romans 9, when it says, The children being not yet born, not having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. I've had people say, you're taking out the component of original sin. You're saying God hated Esau before he even had a chance to sin, I said, "I'm not saying anything. That's what the Bible says." <laughs> sure
3: so now, says. That's, what,
1: that's what it says. And and boy, I mean, you, you're, you're considered a heretic in 99 to nine tenths percent of seminaries if you read that scripture and you apply it. Just take it like it says. Don't change it. And so now, it's a
3: two.
2: Yeah. Do you do you think that that's one of the reasons, uh, or, or the major reason why there's been all these newer translations? The I don't know how many there are. I don't know how many dozens? There are hundreds of whatever there are at this point. Is not only because of you know financial gain, but and of course of corruption of the word of God. But what you're just saying there, because people don't like what they're reading, they don't want to accept Absolutely. it. Absolutely. it has to be mistranslated. Something's wrong here. Something must have been added or taken away. Absolutely. (laughs) By the way, I've been wrestling with this myself, and I have to admit, you know, there's been times in my show where I said, yes, there has been things. But if I'm really honest about it, I'm basing that on what other men say. Well, what what tells me that, yeah, what tells me is that this is the Word of God. Is it what men say? Or is the Spirit of God? And me actually opening up the book and reading it from. And then yeah, the Spirit of God tell me that. And I know this is gonna be most of the world because the way they think, they're gonna think, Well what you're doing is indoctrinating yourself, what you're doing is a a form of self brainwashing, you know, convincing yourself that this is true. But am I convincing myself this is true? Because let me tell you one thing, when I was trying to convince myself whether it was false or true on my own means no, it meant well, nothing. It, it, it meant, meant nothing at all.
1: Exactly, that's <laughs> what I wanted. to <laughs> It kind of reminds me of a uh, fellow I talked to one time, and <clears throat> you know, and uh, I was reading. I was reading through Scripture, just just like we do here, Scripture by Scripture. And it happened to be the ninth chapter of Romans, too. And also, I got into the fifth chapter of Romans on original sin. And he said, There you go, there he goes, everybody. You hear him? There he goes. There he goes. He's proof texting. He's proof texting. <laughs> and I said mean, yes. You, I, said, reading it.
3: <laughs> I said,
1: Yes, I'm taking the Bible and reading it to prove my point. Is that what you're saying? I'm proving my, my position by the Bible. Now what are you going to prove your position by? You know.
2: Um, how was that, that lost? <laughs>
1: Well, it gets back to what your point was. And this is really the crux of the matter, and I've touched on it the last time, but it is so important, is one of two positions that a person has to take as it relates to the um, inherency of the Bible and, you know, the infallibility of the Bible and, you know, the co <clears throat> the cohesiveness of the translators of the King James Version, the authorized King James Version of the Bible, Um, the the whole chronology of the Texas Receptus versus, you know, the Codex Vaticanus that was found in a trash can, all of that stuff. You know the history. I mean, we don't need to go through all that. But the point of it is, either God preserves his word or he doesn't. That's the bottom line. And the authorized version of the Bible, King James Version of the Bible, has been with us for some four hundred and thirty years now. And look, people I, I always get the I get I always get uh my eyebrows always start going up when I hear the doctors of divinity and doctors of theology immediately want to fly to their their they want to take control over the masses because they have a better understanding of the Hebrew and the Greek translators. They are, they, are, they are language scholars. And what they're saying is, we're smarter than the translators of the authorized version of the Bible. And we believe that the authorized translators of the Bible were not ordained of God. We don't believe in the sovereignty of God. We don't believe God has preserved His Word over the last 430 years, and so we're going to change it. So the really the issue has to do with preservation of God's word. That's really the crux of the matter. We've come up with a better way of doing things than what God ordained the last 130 years. So um, it's just like I could use the same analogy over the. Oh, oh man, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I should discuss this on your show. I don't know because sure you can discuss this. it. Well, well, that there's this whole. Up in Kansas City, there's, which I find this just totally an oxymoron, but there's a a seminary. It's called St. Paul's Theological Seminary. And it is the most uh, uh, godless (laughs) seminary that could be because they absolutely deny the Bible. They deny, you know, they question the virgin birth. They, they say that <clears throat> all of the epistles of Paul, even though they call themselves St. Paul, St. Paul, get that. Um, it's a United Methodist seminary, by the way. But e- they say that all of Paul's epistles are not relevant because that was for then and this is now. You know, when Paul says, I suffer not a woman to teach or usurp authority over the man, that was then, this is now. You know, let the women be silent and silent in the churches. That was then; this is now. It is a glory for a woman to wear long hair. It is a shame for a man to wear long hair. Oh, now, Larry, now you've gone to legalism. I haven't gone to anything. I'm reading <laughs> what Paul is reading in his in the Word of God, and so it gets to be. Uh, and so, I didn't mean to get off on a, a rant. Oh, well, it's,
2: it's, it's very interesting <laughs> you brought it up because. This is what also happened last night. Actually, one of the people that, uh, I don't know if I'll read it to you, what the heck, I don't have to mention his name.
3: Uh,
2: But uh, this is nothing that happens to a man of the world today, where um, unfortunately, the way we've been raised and groomed, women have, uh, men have kind of reversed roles here to to everyone's (laughs) detriment.
3: The ying and the uh, yang. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And so... Oh, he's talking... Let me see that. i will try to find here. Uh, this is uh, somebody
2: who's been on the show uh, and a regular listener and a friend. He says, you might want to find out first if he can restrain his wife from interjecting in the background, what a typical American! I don't know, Hubick, uh, huh? I don't know what that means. Uh, Hubick?
0: Nancy,
2: yeah, Nancy Boy letting his wife dare to. Uh, I can't pronounce that. Her, he's this guy. He can. He's pretty. He should be a writer. He is a writer. at times. Dramatic. Uh, Quips into the conversation between men. I know I used to be like that too. And I belatedly grew some blank. You can imagine that. And more (laughs) blank from Jezebelic American women. It's a relief. And no more blank Jezebelic American women. And so he's got a very uh, point. A good point there, I, I know at first glance it seems like some woman bashing and all that, but the truth of the matter is, in this satanic system that we live under what they are doing is grooming women to be jezebels and, I, that just,
1: is and absolutely and, and
2: then and then I don't know what they i guess men I don't know we're just' not, don't know how to be men anymore. This is the well, book that it's, teaches it's, how to be a man and a woman, too. It's, well, this is oh, this is cool. <laughs> this is all,
1: as you know, this is all inspired by the Jesuits. It's the feminization of the culture, you know, and I and I would encourage. In fact, I could send you the, the sermon. I did a, and you may have listened to it, but I've done a whole history on the origin of women in ministry, and it is so fascinating. I mean, uh, you know, it all started in the suffrage movement. But the suffrage movement uh, went kind of like the civil rights movement went to the homosexual movement. <laughs> it's like what well, it started out having a woman's right to vote, now has a woman's right to, to uh, you know, to castrate be a man.
2: A, castrate a man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
3: <laughs> I and mean so,
2: literally be a man, literally, like the sex change. You know, oh, <laughs> absolutely.
3: Yeah
1: and i mean I, I can tell you that you know if you coming from the culture i came from i mean i you know i had a supervisor who who was a lesbian at one time in the state of kansas and her boss was her her boss and my boss was a lesbian which was her significant other which was her husband <laughs> you think that's a you talk about pink triangles, I mean, but anyway, I don't know how we got off on this. But the point that I'm trying to make here is that um, it goes back to number verse 5. After thy hardness and impenitent heart treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And God has placed certain people in history... And one of them happened to be the Apostle Paul, and you know, um, oh, it's it's amazing the the interpretations people can come up with of Apostle Paul and his doctrines. I mean, it's just, I, I some of them are just, you know, and I'm sure you've heard some of the vile interpretations of. The homosexuals have come up with the fact that Christ had a relationship with Mary Magdalene. I've had I've had homosexuals come up with saying that Christ was homosexual and all of his disciples were you know were his were his you know part of his uh, homosexual liaisons. You know you know people can come up with anything, but the reality of it is they're 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 despising the riches and goodness and forbearance and long suffering of God. And they don't know anything about the goodness of God, and they—they are—they they are—they've they're, they're,
2: they're, been turned over to a reprobate mind, you know. Yes, I do. And uh, so, anyway, but you know, don't, what I like to do for this episode is to stop at uh, verse eight, so we can read <laughs> the last two. No, because there's a good reason for it. Yeah cuz I guess the next the next subject he's going to deal with is the the Jews and the Gentile thing and Yeah, uh, yeah,
1: that's American a total different. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point.
2: That's so, good point. but uh i will read 7 and 8 again and uh, Okay. To who it's uh, uh, to them who by patience continuous and well-doing seek for This is what we're supposed to seek for. This is what the world's seeking for, that's for sure. Uh and doing seek for for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life, but unto them that are content, uh, con- continuous, contentious—is that what it is? Okay, my eyes nice yeah. pretty yeah. bad today. Yeah. Contentious, thank you. What did I get? How do they get 10 continu- continuous <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! And contentious—that's what. I, okay, so unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth. But obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So, yeah, it's kind of a summary of uh, our discussion today,
3: right?
2: Right. Those two yeah. to, uh, verses, and uh, what what are we as God's uh, children and and Bible believers, and who believe in our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. What are we supposed to be seeking for then? I mean, what does it mean by you? for glory and honor immortality and and eternal life.
3: Well, we know... Uh,
2: Go
1: ahead. Oh, I I was just going to say that um, we know that um, glory and honor, all the glory and honor goes to Christ. You know, he says he will not share his glory with another. You know, and in Revelation it says, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive glory and honor and power. And we know that at the marriage supper of the Lamb, we're going to be participating in giving glory and honor, and we're going to have eternal peace. And we're going to be worshiping the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And so that's, I think... Uh, immortality, eternal life. I mean, um, it's, uh, you know, the hope that we have and seeking it is just absolutely a response to having
3: it. I mean,
1: you know, there's, you know, uh, so many people get the carp for the horse, like you said earlier, they think that that having sal- salvation is a result of obedience and faith and repentance and belief and all of that, and they're getting the cart before the horse. Having repentance and faith and obedience is a result of having life. You don't have life because you do all those things. You do all those things because you have life and have been given life. It's a natural response to it, so... That's the real, that's the real crux of the matter, according to Scripture, you know.
2: I am sorry, but I didn't quite understand that, Larry.
1: (laughs) Yes. well, let me, let me, me, well, okay, let me go back. I think I can make it really, you know, hopefully more, when, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, he said, the spirit bloweth where it listeth, and no man knoweth the sound thereof. And so is everyone that is born of the Spirit of God. And see, uh, us old hard shell Baptists, you know, there's a lot of shells in the Bible, and that's why <laughs> that's why we get accused of being hard shells. But you know, you, it's very important to keep the chronology of events in order. The first thing that happens is that we are breathed into by the Holy Spirit and given spiritual life because we know that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. and So we were given spiritual life. We were given spiritual life before we had faith, before we obeyed, before we were converted, before we repented. We had life first. The spirit blows where it listens. The life causes us then. To recognize we're sinners in need of a savior. We flee to the cross of Christ. We you know, we turn our lives around, if you want to put it that way, we go in the other direction, like the Apostle Paul did. He was told him, get up, it will be told you what thou must do. Uh, and we also find that we have a desire for the things of God. So in a nutshell, it all comes from God. Life, spiritual life the ability to repent, convert, turn around, and believe the gospel and have faith in Christ. You know, you know, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, once you give him all the glory, there's nothing left for us to take any glory in anything. You know, I've heard people say, well, I'm sure glad I turned my life around. Well, I'm sure glad the day I accepted Jesus in my heart. I'm sure glad the day that I filled out that decision card. I'm sure glad that when I got, I'm sure glad when I got baptized. I'm sure glad when I took the Lord's supper. I know that really did something for me. I know I'm sure glad when I sold, you know, when I surrendered all. You know, you didn't do squat. I'm here to tell you, you didn't do squat. You didn't do, you didn't surrender all by yourself. You couldn't have done nothing. You were dead. Lazarus was dead in the tomb. And when Christ said with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come forth," I can just hear Lazarus now saying, oh, "I don't think I want to do that. I got a free will. I want to stay
2: right here."
3: <laughs> no, he said. Well,
2: it's, it's a very good point you're bringing up, and it, says it certainly is relevant to who I am because, if you don't be honest with you, I've made that statement numerous times in a day that I surrendered to the Lord. And uh, oh, what a powerful lesson you, I'm learning you, tonight! Every, I, every, every, I, I didn't. Everybody I didn't does, love... any, any everybody
1: who comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ does surrender. They do, but what happens is, Christ has already given you spiritual life, or you would have never surrendered because you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You couldn't do anything. You're like laying in a coffin, and you can't. You don't have any ability. You're a dead man. And Christ comes along and raises you from the dead. After he raised Lazarus from the dead, what happened? Christ said, loose him and let him go. He still had the old <laughs> grave clothes on him. They had to take the clothes. He had been dead for four days and he stunk in the tomb. There's a spiritual application here. The reason Christ didn't go and, and raise Lazarus from the the dead for four days. He wanted to prove a spiritual point here. There was nothing that Mary and Martha could do to raise Lazarus. There's nothing Lazarus could do to himself. None of the doctors could do anything. It took a divine intervention to get him up out of that grave. And that's the same thing that happens with you and I when we we find that ourselves are, are are being having recipients of God's Holy Spirit in our hearts. And at that, after that happens, then we find that we can, we can trust and we can surrender and we can,
2: we because we have life. You know. That's very, very nice. Really. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, the better way of saying it, I guess. You tell me, just uh, I'm sure glad that God caused me or made me to surrender.
3: Absolutely.
2: Because <laughs> uh, that gives God all the glory.
1: You know, it's like I said, I heard was had the radio on one day and I and I heard this congressman from Missouri. I won't mention his name. But, oh, why not? His name's Jim Talent. His name is Jim Talent. And he's he was pretty active in politics here in Missouri for a long time. But I mean, he was a fan of of Dr. James I mean, uh, James Dobson. And James Dobson was talking about free will and of course James Dobson is 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 into pseudo psychology. And James Opp says, you know, you you need to anybody that's listening to this broadcast, if you've never done this, you need to turn your life around. You need to execute your free will and accept Jesus in your heart. And Jim Talent said, You know what? I thought, you know what? Uh I think that's good advice. So he said, I pulled over to the side of the road and I just said, Jesus, I let you in my heart. Jim Talent's God. Jim Tallant's God. <laughs> Look what I did for God. Poor. And then I've heard other people say, you know, Jesus is pleading at your heart's door. All you have to do, he's softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling for you and for me, you know. And I'm not trying to, you know, I've had people say, you're blasphemy. Well, no, I'm not blasphemy. I'm giving God all the glory. You know what? Poor little Jesus, let him in your heart, Right. Look, let me tell you something, folks. If Jesus wants to get into your heart, he will get into your heart. People say, oh, man, you're saying that Jesus forces people against their will? I never said that. But what I am saying is that <clears throat> poor little Jesus doesn't exist. And if Jesus has – because what that whole scenario is denying predestination, is denying election – it's denying scripture that says he chose us in him from the foundation of the world you know it's denying that <laughs> he predestinated us it's denying uh you know unconditional election and it's affirming the free will of man, which is is the origins are in jesuitism and so uh that's in a nutshell why. I get really animated about it because I did come out of this Armenian uh, uh,
3: dung, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it's it's really a lot of it's a lot of food for thought there. And I think this it, is a uh, hey. By, by
1: the, the way, if you get a surreal. chance, seriously, yeah. if you get a chance, listen to that debate, of Dave Hunt and James White, and it's on um, Armenian. It's, it's called, and I hate the term. It's Arminianism versus Calvinism. I hate that. I, I hate the term Calvinism because I'm not a Calvinist. Okay, people all the time say you're a hyper-Calvinist, you're a Calvinist. I am not. I'm a Biblicist. I believe the Bible. I don't take on the name of Calvin. I don't take on the name of Luther. I agree with some of the things they taught, but I don't agree with everything they taught. I don't agree with Calvin and his calling infant baptism sacred water. Okay, I think he held on to some of the tenets of Roman Catholicism. Now, there's going to be a lot of Protestants and Calvinists that are going to hate me for saying that, but I've said it on my YouTube channel, I've said it on Sermon Audio, and I'll continue to say it, that they held on to some of the old tenets. of Because, you know, John Calvin came out of Rome. He was a, a priest. You know, Luther came out of Rome. He was a priest. And so... I didn't mean to get off on that, but it's just, if you get a chance, listen to the YouTube debate of James White and Dave Hunt. If you want to see a, a very clear demarcation between Arminianism and what the Bible teaches, okay?
2: Yeah. Uh, it seems like an like a offering false hope. It and, is. And um, what's you know, the glory of man, you know? That man holding that ball. On man's control is on death. Well, well, Dave Hunt believed
1: that man was not totally depraved. He did not believe in the doctrine of original sin. In fact, he openly denies it. He believed in actual sin. He says that he he denies the fifth chapter, the teaching in the fifth chapter of Romans that that all were born in Adam, all were all were born and all died in Adam, and all were of God's elect alive in Christ. He denies that. He denies unconditional election. In fact, he, he upholds the free will of man. Uh, he, he denies particular redemption and so says that God made it possible for all men to be saved. He calls it potential, potential redemption. But he doesn't make it absolutely certain by his sacrifice on the cross that any is saved because it's based upon a person's acceptance and obedience and faith. And then also he, of course, denies the, the irresistible grace. He says that anybody can resist God's grace. That denies election. Because Christ said, all that the Father has given me will come to me. <laughs> okay? Very certain. And then, of course, Dave Hunt denies that men, he, he believes that the elect can be deceived. And, and Matthew 24 says, if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. It's impossible for the if you're a, If you're one of God's elect, I'm not saying there's not times in your life where you're going to be deceived. But what I'm saying is, according to Christ, it's impossibility because he says, all that the Father give me will come to me, and all that the Father give me, I will lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. No man can pluck them out of my hand, and no one can pluck them out of my father's hand. So that's another part of what is a part of this we're talking about today. It's not that we think we're better than other people, but the point is positionally we're in Christ, and nobody can take that away from us. And that's a phenomenal assurance and comfort for the child, the, the one who's been a recipient of His grace. Now I'm going to shut up and, and let you get. And <laughs>
3: get.
2: <laughs> no, you don't. You don't have to show that. But that was good stuff. So uh, yeah, it's not that we're. Yeah. You
3: know, yeah.
2: It's not about the fact that we're better than anybody else, but in God's eyes, He well yeah, there's election. There's there's from predestination that He's chosen those who will that are His. And, yeah, so there you go. <laughs> It just goes back down to this whole thing about like Esau and. Uh, That's exactly Robert. right. Jacob. Esau and what's this? Jacob. That's I'm <laughs> saying. Isaac. Uh, but um,
1: yeah, goats and sheep. You know, two seed doctrine. Uh, you know, uh, unconditional election. Um, half you know, hath not the Potter power over the clay to make one vessel
2: to honor. One under dishonor. So, so, before we close up, the inevitable question will be asked once again: Why did God do that? What do you think? Why did he God chose? Well,
1: I, I know, I know why He did it, and it has nothing to do with what I think.
3: <laughs> it has to do with what he said, <laughs> why
1: He tells us why He did it.
3: Uh-huh.
1: You know, He says, <laughs> "You know, for this very reason, have I raised thee up?" Speaking of Pharaoh that my name might be declared throughout the whole earth. Therefore he had mercy on whom he would have mercy and whom he would he hardened. So he wanted his name proclaimed throughout the whole earth. The other reason he did it <laughs> is in Colossians. It says, um, all things were made by him and for him. And another uh, another answer to the question is found in Jeremiah. It says, I have not loved you because you were the greatest uh, on the face of the earth. I, even though you were the smallest in number, I loved you because I loved you. <laughs> <laughs> in other words, he said, hey, I have a right to love whoever I want. I have a right to create vessels and put my love on whomever I choose to. It's like in Matthew, the parable, you know, where the workers go out, and they're working, and they, you know, they were hired early in the morning, they went out and did their little work, and later on, the, the, uh, the, you know, the boss of everybody goes out and he finds these people that are still standing out on the street not doing anything. He says, how come you're not out working? Well, nobody hired us. He says, well, go on on over there and work for me. You know, you can work the rest of three hours of this day. So they went over there and they come down to the end of the day and the guys that have worked all day long from daylight to dusk, he gives them the money and they're standing there and the guys that work three hours, he gives them the same amount of pay. And these people... That worked all day, got all bent out of shape. He said that's not fair. We worked all day long, and you're giving these people the same amount to, you know for three hours. He goes, I have a right to do anything I want to with you know. I'm in charge. That's the that's his he and Christ was giving that whole message about himself and his relationship to his creation. You know. You know, he has the right to do anything he wants to, and we may not like it. We can cry unjust, unrighteous, tyrant, unfair, whatever. But you know what? Who art thou that repliest against God? Can the thing can the thing say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? you know? And so that's the that's the real reality of it. And um, the other great thing about it is is that Christ said that he did not come to call the righteous, <laughs> okay? I mean, that. see, that gives me great comfort, <laughs> okay? Because <laughs> he didn't come to call the righteous. He called came to call the sinner to repentance. That would be me, okay? I'm not proud of it, but the fact is it gives me a lot of comfort because that I fit into that criteria as being a sinner. And so when I run into certain people that say, you know, Thank God, I'm not like Larry Phillips and Michael Adams. Okay, that kind of gives me hope because I don't feel that way. I think, man, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Okay, and so that distinguishes God's elect too. The God's elect are ones that are that understand that they are totally unworthy of His mercy and grace. There's, there's just you know. But you know what the reprobate thinks that they should be worthy, and what they do to go about to try to establish their worthiness is go out and do all these works. I don't cuss, I don't smoke, and I don't drink, and I, you know, I, uh, you know, I wear the long robes. Remember what Christ said to the Pharisees: "You like the cheap place in the marketplaces. You say long prayers." And you want to stone the adulterers. And you want to, you know, And so, you know what, I've come to the conclusion the greatest sin is self-righteousness. That's it. Christ hated it. Because people actually are believing that they can do something to merit God's favor. And so when, when a person realizes they can do it, like you were sharing on your testimony, when you realize you can do nothing, you were at your bottom of the bottom of the heap, you know. And uh, just like my friend Pat Pat Ennington, you know, he says, "I want everybody to know I have a degree, a B.O.D. bigger <laughs> on a duck heap." That's the degree I want people to know about. Why well, do these people want to go out and call themselves masters and doctors of divinity and piled higher and deeper Ph.D. and and all these degrees? Because they're into self-exaltation. Just like, you know, just like Lucifer. I will arise and be as God. You know? that, And that's Pope Francis in a nutshell. That's Benny Hinn. That's Kenneth Copeland. That's Joyce Myers. That's, um, you know, all you have to do is watch him on, you know, you know, would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? You know, I <laughs> mean, think so you know so anyway that's that's some discernment there you know how you can kind of discern you know these people out here that think they've got it all together you know and i don't you know but i but god does and christ did
2: so anyway no well, that was great that was really good um Lots of things to think about there, folks. that's for sure a lot to think about and uh, for those that of course somebody joined us during this, but people may you not know, lay down on modern lessons so yeah, and uh, I don't know how popular this series be, but <laughs> the, more, the more the more truth one shares the at least the numbers show up. Absolutely. So. that's okay. that's okay but i i I don't, one thing is be it's very edifying for me to to uh, hear you now, hear the words of God, and God using you as this way of uh, basically sharing His His word, His truth. Um, makes me wonder what it must have been like back in the day. Oh yeah. You say this you're you're your, uh, you know these kind of it sounds like you're kind of this Reformed Baptist. Sort of, sort of like people would label you as?
1: Well, I would say that uh, people would would not even label me as Reformed Baptist because that's an oxymoron in terms, too, because, uh, you know, the Baptist See, the Reformers came out of the Roman Catholic Church. All right. of them did, you know. And the Baptists never went into Catholicism, ever. And so people <laughs> would look... Uh, you know, you, if you do a study on the Waldensians, Waldensians... Uh-huh. The val- sure. you know and the Paulicians, and the Albigenses, and those folks—you um, know—they and you know <laughs> this is another really touchy subject. That people don't want to hear; I mean, they just don't want to hear it. Um, but the Presbyterians, the Reformed, the, tri- the people that hold the traditional Reformed views, were persecutors of the Old Baptist. They killed them. It's a matter of history because they would not subscribe to infant baptism. I mean, in this country, some of the old Baptists were stripped and whipped for not going along with infant baptism by the Presbyterians. In this country. And they were drowned. I mean, all you have to do is do a history of the Albigenses and the Waldenses. I've got it all on my sermon audio under trail of blood. There's five, five messages on there on the trail of blood. And it talks about how that the you know, the
2: Reformers,
1: I'm talking about the people that were you know, proclaiming, uh, uh, coming against a Roman Catholicism, and had come out of the Roman Catholic Church, they were still infant baptizers. They were still believing in a doctrine of works. Now, am I here to say that the Reformation was not God ordained? No,
3: no, no,
1: no. I am saying it was most certainly God ordained. Do I believe that Calvin did a lot of good work? Yes, I did. Do I believe that in Calvin's infant baptism? No, I do not. Do I believe in Luther's transubstantiation? No, I do not. I. Uh, but you know, that's time in another place. But I do know that God ordained Calvin and Luther and Tyndale and Knox and Huss and all those guys to bring the Word of God, take them from the chained altars and bring them to the common man so we would have it, and we would end up having the authorized King James Version of the Bible to read for ourselves and search these things out for ourselves. That's what was called freedom of conscience. So, But anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot to be addressed, but uh, I had a guy tell me one time, he had a program kind of like yours, and uh, he wanted me to do some stuff with this program. And when he found out that I was being honest about the history of the persecution of the Anabaptists by the Reformers, he said, I don't ever want to talk to you. You know, he says, I'd never want to have you on any of my programs again, because you're basically saying that the Reformation was not ordained of God. I said, I'm not saying that. I said, I'm just giving you the truth of the history that a lot of the Reformers persecuted the Anabaptists for not subscribing to the doctrine of works and infant baptism. And I'm
2: not going to uphold it.
1: Okay, and so, uh, (laughs) I didn't mean to open another can of worms, but...
2: No, it's it's all it's all part of our history, It's part yeah. it's all reality, it's truth. So Yeah. I really enjoyed this. Um, um part three. When we, when were we gonna do part three of Romans um, well, on what days what days are you free this week? I could do it tomorrow, do <laughs> it Friday, I could do it Saturday. I think I do oh, so I could chase my son Saturday, but
3: yeah.
2: um
1: I'm trying to think, um uh let's see. I could we're going to um uh, we're going to Neo show Friday. I could do it I could do it let thing now. Um I could do it Friday morning. Now I usually like to uh I usually like to listen to Walt's broadcast. I don't know who he's got on Friday. But I could forego, I can always listen to it in his archives. So we could do it Friday morning. Uh, well, that's the yeah.
2: Friday morning. I have a sh- or Friday noon, my time. Well, I have a uh, uh, I, I, Friday. Keith, noon Keith, and, Keith Hansen is on my show. Oh. I already have a no schedule for that. Well, Saturday, so, Friday afternoon through
1: Saturday, I'm gone because basically what happened is I'm. there's.
2: Hey, are you game to do it tomorrow at all? What is tomorrow? Thursday? Thursday,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, tomorrow. Hold on a second. I better check with, with with Rosette here and make sure. Do we have anything going tomorrow? No, she says I'm open tomorrow. Oh,
2: so okay. well, um, uh what, what time do you want to do it? Um how so, sorry sorry, brother, but I'm really hungry for this, so I could, well, I could keep it
1: going. What do? time do you have to <laughs> eat? What time do you have available tomorrow?
2: Well, uh I don't have my son all day and I don't think I'm gonna be doing much except maybe do some grocery shopping and uh <laughs> it's resting so uh
3: outside but
2: of the ten, 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 ten. Ten, outside of the ten o'clock PM show that we're doing, the roundtable round table show on the uh, flat earth with with uh, with Robbie and Zen and Okay, yeah. yeah. Of, uh, um what I a, um what about I, I? I could I could do in fact I could do two of them tomorrow.
3: It's <laughs> not just, I'm if, just about what, doing what the shows. She, it's
2: just I, I just love this and this. I have to tell you, I never had this.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. What? What? If we,
2: search, I'm searching the opportunity just to have somebody who really believes and uh, really can just flat out just.
3: What if we did a the what Bible if we did thing. like
1: a, a like tomorrow. What if we did, like, two to four, which would be uh, three to five, three to five your time, right? We are, you're sure. an hour, left. so two to four, and that will just make it one broadcast, but we'll, we'll extend it a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'll get that some sleep, per- and I'll have a little more energy. We can start on this very controversial topic about <laughs> Jews first, and also sorts of Yeah, yeah. And the Jews because... Uh, yeah, it was interesting today to tell you too. I was listening to, you know, unfortunately I don't have very many. I, I don't I have very many options in my car to listen to. So the only thing I listen to is this Christian station that has Campy on it all the time. And uh, oh, yeah, and you know he's, he's he's got his issues for sure. He did. He got <laughs> a his soul. But um, uh, uh, he was talking a little bit about that, about the this whole thing about the Jews and the Gentiles and this whole thing that's yeah, going on kind of, uh, camping
1: you know camping used to be used to call himself reformed okay but in the latter and, and by the way uh, I think at one time camping really was was upholding covenant theology and sometime we need to talk about the difference between covenant theology and and Baptist theology <laughs>
3: but uh,
1: <laughs> but anyway uh at the latter part of his life, Campion became a hyper dispensationalist. I mean he and and we can kind of get into this discussion of what constitutes hyper dispensationalism from dispensationalism. The point is that whenever you hold a view that there are two bodies of Christ, there's the kingdom of Christ and then there's the body of Christ. And Never the twain shall meet. And so you've got the Old Testament saints, and they're they're never, ever going to be in the same heaven with the New Testament church. Yeah, that's what these people are teaching. I never even heard of such a thing. Yeah, that's exactly what they're teaching. And they are real sly the way they go about doing it, but <clears throat> now they're getting more out, out of the closet about it. But you know, people like John Hagee, he's, he's really into that. Theology, and of course, there are people. um, And I, you know, if you if you got if you ever got uh, Eric Phelps to talk about his dispensational theology, he would share with you that the distinction between you know this whole thing about the Jews being God's chosen people, and even though he would say there are some that believe in Christ and so on, he wants to he wants to make this thing a national issue, the nation right. of Israel. And when you get into that whole discussion about the resurrection of the temple, reconstruction of the temple, and God's earthly kingdom on this earth. And I do not uh, to this point, <laughs> I'll put it this way, because I think it's going to get to the point where I I will have to. But to this point, I don't defellowship people over eschatological positions. But it, dispensationalism is becoming so heretical that I'm I'm about to change my position on that because basically they're saying that you can go up some other way other than through Jesus Christ. John Hagee says that. John Hagee says you don't have to know you don't have to know the name of Christ to get to heaven. He told the uh, you know, and and uh, also uh, Pat Robertson told the CEO of Disney worldwide on his broadcast on on Christian Broadcast Network you don't have you know the the CEO of Disney's wife happened to be a born again Christian. Well, the CEO of Disney was Jewish and was not a believer. And Pat Robertson, he asked Pat Robertson, hey, my wife's a Christian, but I'm a Jew. Am I going to hell? Pat Robertson says, well, you don't hold that Jesus is the Messiah. That's what you're saying. He goes, that's right. I don't believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and I never will. (laughs) Pat Robertson Robertson says, you'll be in heaven because you're one of God's chosen people. Yes. Now, that's what what,
2: what a uh, wicked thing to say. That's dispensationalism in a nutshell. The reason why that's of course that's wicked folks is because uh basically <laughs> condemning that man to hell. <laughs>
3: exactly. <laughs> I
2: mean you give it a chance to, to actually
1: it's, it's an absolute yeah. deception anyway. So tomorrow from two to let's see, what did we say? From was it was it uh three to five year time? I wrote this down.
2: Yeah, three, three to five. And this this is gonna be he's gonna get into some heavy stuff here that uh we still deal to this day and it makes you think. It does. As you as you as you as you try to stay true to the word of God and, and your faith in Jesus Christ, it really naturally narrows the playing field as far as how many people you're gonna be hanging out with.
1: That's right. There's no mediator between God and man and the man Christ Jesus. God has given him a name that's greater than any name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.
2: And that, does that? Does that hell, that's another topic. I'll talk about. <laughs> because I can tell you, when I think about it, too, like Yeshua the Messiah, and I, I've been kind of renewed you know, to trying to affect the matter. Is Jesus Christ feels, feels and sounds much better.
3: <laughs> it
2: really does. I'm not saying I'm not saying they're not the same person, but it does in a way well maybe in a way it's actually, it actually is the fact that they're not the same person. I don't know. Something to talk about really. Well here here's the
1: thing. I mean, look. Uh, Jesus Christ's nature, his character and his name are are inseparable. In other words, people who who are in a different land that have a different language, you know, that's a, that's a little different issue. I mean, when we're when we're talking about. In other words, I I'm not uh, saying that people don't have different languages and can't recognize Jesus. Okay, <laughs> that's
2: not what I'm saying.
1: But what I am saying is that. The exclusiveness of the eternal Son of God. Okay, the exclusiveness of the eternal Son of God, who came and gave Himself a ransom for many, is is unchangeable, and you can't change it. You cannot say that, you know, like uh, you know, there's people now really promoting Mark Levine, you know and he, you know he says oh it's all just a big wheel and all spokes lead you know all this all spokes lead to the same god you know that's ecumenicalism is taking over the world church is taking over roman catholicism is promoting it and so <clears throat> we have to we're on the outside you know, <laughs> we come out from among them and be ye separate say that the lord touch not the unclean thing you know and so that's what i'm referring to i'm talking about when people start Denying the work of the atonement, and that they're trying to apply, okay, all religions on the same equal basis. That's when you get to be absolutely, you know, blaspheming because you're blaspheming the the the, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're, you're negating the Trinity. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going to use that word. You're negating the Godhead and you're negating the atonement. Okay, and so I, I don't use the word Trinity because it really people. It's not used in the Bible. It, you know, it's any more than I like the word Calvinism. Okay, I
3: don't like that.
1: I don't like that. I don't. I don't like the the word Calvinism, uh, and I don't like certain other words like you know the. You can't even find in the, in, the, in the Bible like common grace. you know people say, oh, well, he rains on the just and he, and the unjust." And I tell people, "You know that's rain. That's not, <laughs> that's, that's not grace, okay Grace has a redemptive characteristic to it, and when you try, try to apply you know, yes, the reprobate is a recipient. Of certain good things but it has nothing to do with redemption and it has nothing to do with grace grace is an unmerited favor of god's redemption and so anyway i you get me going. you got me going today brother
3: <laughs> you got about good
0: it,
3: it's good
2: anyway, it, right. you know, it's, it, no it's funny uh a few years ago hearing someone like you would it, Drove me nuts. I would have blanked out.
3: <laughs> and now,
2: now I'm listening to somebody, and I'm like, you know, you know, really, it makes all the sense in the world. And really, as far as getting down to the just being Bible believing follower of Christ.
3: Yeah. And you know, yeah.
2: believe. Yeah, you know, I think that part of this whole thing, you like with the Yeshua Messiah. I mean, that's cool. If that's what you want to do. But I think a lot of it is, it's all this constant picking at the word of God it's not
3: yeah.
2: It's not good enough the name of Jesus Christ and we need to have all sorts of theories out there on the internet that really what you're saying is something blasphemous when you say that name but um, it gets to the point you're just like you know you really, it really reduces you down to a couple of, uh, first is putting your abiding faith in Jesus Christ who he says he is and then His Word. His Word
1: the is probably... Of... You know, back to what we were saying, you know, look, if Jesus Christ had intended for us to, you know, use the word Meshua or Jehovah or El Jireh or whatever, uh, He would have had the translators translate that in that manner in the authorized version, and we would have had the last 430 years. I mean, it gets down to the will of God, not the will of man. God so willed it. God I mean, do you think that God didn't know that we would be having this conversation about his name right now? Do I know? Of course I mean. know. I know you know. But a lot of people say, "Oh, he doesn't that has nothing to do, you know. I've had people tell me God has absolutely nothing to do with the day by day to-day affairs of people's conversations. You know, he he wound the world up like a clock and let it go, and that's it, you know? And I'm here to say, in him we live and move and have our very being. Every aspect of this conversation that we've had, you know, has been ordained by God. You know, even, even as to how we say goodbye in this very second we check out. And uh, it's true, even... You, if if you want to really see something interesting, go to your little uh, search engine of the Bible and just put in bounds of our habitation. Uh, I mean, you probably have, but yeah, you know, that you'll get your boat loaded on that one.
3: <laughs> I'll tell
1: you. I mean, he's over the very. Ba- I had a guy that got, had gotten moved in his job four times in the last three months, and it's driving him crazy. You know, but every time it's been a promotion. And he'll email me, and he'll say, man, he goes, they're wanting to promote me again. I don't want to move again. And I go, well, are you going to do it? And he goes, well, what do you think? I go, what do I know about your job and your, you know, that. So he'll say, well, it's a lot better benefits, more money. And I says, is that why you want to do it? More money, more benefits? He goes, no, I want to have time to spend with God and stuff. And I said, well, you know what, oh, regardless of what you, the decision you make, God's over the bounds of your habitation, anyway. That ought to give you a little comfort, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's pretty much that's it. that's just true. So, okay, well, I'm going to end this recording. I appreciate Larry. Larry, do you want to mention once again? Uh, yeah. I mean, if if
1: Well, if if somebody wants to go in, by the way, if you go to sermonaudio.com forward slash house church. And you wanna you wanna check out a particular subject matter, you can put that subject matter in the search box. If you wanna see what I have to say about predestination or election or common grace or or you know eschatology or any of those things, you can go to that search box, and then um, that'll help you kind of direct you know what whatever interest you might have right now. So again, Very it's good. just... It's just um, you know sermonaudio.com dot com forward slash house church,
2: and whether whether it be house church, and that's uh, we also have uh, uh, talk show. Yeah, I haven't. I'm oh. still
1: I'm still working on the. I've got some glitches on that. If you want to go to some really meaty kind of doctrinal things you can go to whatthebiblesays.homestead.com. That's whatthebiblesays.homestead.com. Uh, I will warn people there are, you know, strong doctrinal kinds of things on there that might, you know, tee a lot of people off. But uh, And then if you like the old Primitive Baptist hymns, you know, we don't do drop-down screens, and we don't sing, we don't do rock music, and, and I'm not going to get into all of that. But uh, primarily, not because I have anything against specifically the, the the style of music, but it's the it's the words in the music, because just like the the translations of the Bible have been changed over the years, so is all this music. So we we sing out of a hymnal called the Old School Hymnal. Which is very strong doctrinal kind of words in the songs, and so we have old hymns. dot homestead. dot com, and uh, you know we uh, we sing a lot of the old school hymns on there. If you want to check that out,
2: that's awesome. I, you know, it's a shame uh, there's. Well, well, praise God, there's still. Some of that which you just mentioned out there. So I do appreciate it. How many, how many recordings have you done now? Do you know any idea how many on talks or not? A sermon well, audio. On,
1: on sermon audio. The last nine years, you know, it's probably up to, um, you know, we've had probably probably have a thousand fifty, you know, messages on there. But over the years, you know, I have had to unlearn some things. <laughs> and so, consequently, I've taken off about 200 of those messages because other people uh, that have been much more rooted in the faith have pointed out errors that I've had, and I've had to repent. And uh, I, I still will have to repent down the road. I mean, I mean, other people, Michael will probably even find some errors. And I, hey, if God, if someone can show me in the Bible where I'm in error then I'm either going to repent or I'm going to go on in sin, and that's, that's not where I want to be. So uh, right now I think there's about 825 that, that have been left up on Sermon Audio, and I'm sure there's some of those I'll have to take down. See, that's the difference. People say, well, are you a false prophet? Don't, if prophets say one thing and then they have to take it, no, I'm not a prophet. Okay? And I don't claim to be a preacher. I want everybody to know that. I don't claim to be a preacher. I'm not ordained, and I'm not licensed, okay? A lot of people don't know this, but do you know in the Southern Baptist Church, you cannot be ordained until you're licensed with the state. So they license you first, and if the state approves you, then you go get ordained. Isn't there something wrong with that picture?
3: I think so. Huge, huge problems. So I
2: even even called. if we we weren't living in a Roman Catholic country, there's still would be a
3: problem.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Apostle Paul said one thing. He goes, "I conferred not with flesh and blood." Okay, so when I started, you know, doing the Bible studies and doing these messages and stuff, I didn't confer with flesh and blood. I didn't call Michael Adams up and say, "Hey, would you maybe get a group of people together and ordain me?" Okay, I didn't. I just didn't because I did not want to be holden to man. You know, my conscience first and foremost I have to answer to God. And people have sent me money and I've ta- uh, and this this one early on, these people sent me I think twenty five bucks. And uh within about four or five days after they sent me money, they began to call me and tell me what I should talk about. And so the, from then on, I've taken the position and actually gone public and said, please, please, please don't send me money. okay? This is not what this is about. I want freedom of conscience. I don't want your filthy lucre. okay? I'll make tents if I have to like Paul did, and I'll stay in a rented house the last three years of my life if I have to. But that's another thing.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Okay, so,
3: laughs>
2: praise, um, praise the Lord. I, I, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Anyway. That's definitely me you're getting me to think, so I help other people hear what I'm hearing as well. So thank you. Thank you, Larry. And stay All on. Right. I'm just gonna end the recording. I'll see you tomorrow, man. Just stay on, okay. Oh okay, yeah. I just want to end the recording. If I can. And then we'll just
1: I'll get to try this again. Oh you just did, okay. See, I don't know how to do that yet. I need to have you sometime make ten minutes or something.